0: Uh, we have been in this series called Distress. Uh, if there's a word to describe 2020 to 2021, potentially this is one of those a uh, key word that do to just kind of summarise all that we're going through in our internal world. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we look at the entire extended pandemic and the lockdown and everything, uh, there are many layers that could help us to feel like that. It could be finance, could be health, could be the lockdown state and, you know, uh, staying as a family. Uh, there's one couple that's just talking about the amount of quarrel that they have. Uh, just because they were together, uh, you know, every little little things that can eventually bring us. So I call it stress on steroid, which means that it is those stress, prolonged, extreme that make us even more stressful. So it's the extreme stress that all of us have to go through right now. So today uh, we wanted to anchor and look at hopelessness, uh, which is the final state. Uh, so we have been kind of walking through four different categories. The I call it the four areas of mental health. Uh, mental health or mental stress, isolation, loneliness, anxiety, worry, stress, anger, and hopelessness, and potentially the loss of identity, are uh, just a natural flow uh, when you are hopeless or in that hopeless state. Uh, the goal of this series was to be able to journey with every one of you to take the church through together that we are sojourner, partners together in this journey of wrestling with pandemic and trying to find purpose and trying to find hope and just allowing the different world of God and the different uh, to kind of speak into our life uh, the other angle to look at all of this is also we are in this situation where we wanted to help to strengthen a certain muscle for a different one of us uh, so for those of us who are in isolation and loneliness you know we wanted to you to create a muscle called community and I, I know like I said last weekend I had a few people who text me "Person, I'm a, I'm a very alone kind of a person how do I jumpstart a community? And uh, you just need to learn the muscle for that. Uh, In Anxiety or Worry, we want you to have the muscle to learn how to think right. And not only how to think right, but have a grateful heart. But most important, we wanted every one of us to learn how to take our anxiety thoughts and our worries and learn to pray through and surrender to God. Uh, Then last weekend, I dealt with the area of stress. I talk about inner rest. I talk about the kind of rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, where we learn how to yoke with Jesus and we allow Him to take the bigger leap. We allow Him to navigate us through this season. And in doing so, I talk about rhythm, you know, create rhythm. So that's a new muscle. And some of us need to learn how to create routines and rhythm to help us to cope with all that we are going through. Now, so today, uh, we're going to look at the word hopelessness. You know, oftentimes, hopelessness is almost the final state or the, the final station in this journey Uh, many of us begin with isolation eventually anxiety and then stress and then maybe affected our character our emotion our behavior anger and then finally we come to our final spot uh, which is the sense of hopelessness okay Uh, let me just define what hopelessness is all about Uh, hopelessness is a feeling or state of despair uh, it's that kind of emotion that you wrestle with, and it potentially ranges from helplessness to hopelessness. And I think there's this wide range that any one of us can fall in between. There, it's an emotion characterized by a lack of hope, optimism, and passion. I was just talking to uh, someone who was depressed, and and I wanted to have a have a peek on uh, have a peek on the the diary, so to so to speak, of a depressed person. Uh, so this person kind of described a depressed state as in refusing to wake up. Uh, you know, do not want to on the light in the room. In fact, if the light spoil, just let it be. and uh, and don't want to refuse to see anybody and they can stay in their room for days after days. It's only when they really need it because they ran out of biscuit or ran out of bread or whatever, then they will get up and just to get, buy something and then come back and lock themselves again. It is that state of not being able to have any sense of feeling and smelling how the future will be like. Uh, Often have no expectation of future improvement or success. So you have that sense of both helplessness and hopelessness when you can't see Future out of it Uh, So all of us know that in this season, uh, suicidal is on the rise. Uh, But I was just reading a WHO and together with CDC kind of a report that talks about suicidal. What I found out was, what was most staggering is this, okay? In every suicidal case, there is actually 25 attempted suicide. Not even thought of suicide. I'm talking about an attempted suicide, which means that what we see in the suicidal scale is just the tip of the iceberg. That means everyone that everyone that had a suicide, there's 25 people that actually attempted and there's another racial out there that actually thought about it. So what I'm trying to say here is we are dealing with that emotion. Now, it could mean that uh, adversity, we are just not good at adversity. The world has bring to a state where right now, especially the millennials are the one that is potentially the highest in anxiety rate. They are the one that's most stressful. They are the one that is most helpless. And in fact, WHO statistic tells that I think it was the 18 to 24 age suicidal is the second highest cause of death in that category. Okay, now, uh, so that's just the reality of what all hopelessness is all about. Now, let's just kind of move to the Word of God and just kind of wrestle with that, okay? Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, which is the verse that kind of girded us in this series. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and uh, be sober. And I felt like for past three weekend, we are trying to help everyone to gird up our mind. We're trying to help everyone to move away from isolation, to move away from thinking wrong, to move away from wrong data and wrong input and to move to rest. We're just trying to help us to wrestle with this faculty of our of ourselves called mind and our soul, right? Trying to wrestle with that. And then Paul says, he says, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, Peter was very interesting uh, because, and in fact, we're going to look at the other two, three verses out of First Peter because, Peter has a way to describe hope because he's someone that kind of walked through that journey. So I'm going to give you a little bit uh, shortly, but I want you to know that Peter says, he says, rest your hope fully. Not half, not, not 50%, but everything. You know, whenever you think of anything that you're hopeful. Uh, maybe you're hopeful for a better government. Maybe you're hopeful for uh, things that you get to travel. Maybe you're hopeful that you get to dine in. You know, we have all of that. He says, you know, you, you, you can have that, but he says, could you rest your hope fully upon who Jesus is? And you know, when Peter wrote this, he was experienced imperial persecution. It's a, it's a, it's a global not global. It's a nationwide persecution. Uh, he was writing to all the exiles that was running everywhere to hide themselves. And he was telling them in their state, and I think that it's worse than a pandemic state. Uh, he was telling them that when you are able to rest your hope fully upon Jesus, you're able to live with a different drumbeat, with a different uh, whole entire approach and worldview. And that's what I want to bring us to that spot uh, this morning, okay? Now, whenever we use the word hope, it can appear in three categories. And we all use the word hope. At the same time, Uh, first of all, it's more like a wishful thinking. It's like, I wish, you know. So, for example, you wake up in the morning you say, you know, I hope today I can find a thousand ringgit on the road. Kind of a wishful thinking. Uh, I don't want to work. I just want to buy lottery. I hope that one day I can win. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wishful thinking, but we use the word hope, okay? The second category of hope is where you believe that it should happen because of something that you did. For example, I studied very hard. I hope I will do well right? We use that word because you put in some effort or you planted some seed and then I hope it will bear fruit. You know, I planted a mango tree many years ago, but it never bore fruit. It bore maybe two fruits only for like past seven, eight years, you know. But behind my neighbor, which is Frank and Cecilia, they had a mango tree, you know. I forgot to ask their permission but I'm sure they are fine for me to tell the story. They had a mango tree, it never bear fruit. So one day, Frank stood in front of the tree and he threatened the tree. He said, if you don't bear fruit, I'm going to cut you off and the next year he bought an abundance of fruit. So I borrowed his scolding ability, superpower, came to my house and said, Frank, could you scold my tree or not? You know, and, uh, you know, Hasn't bear fruit yet, okay? But my point is this, okay? You, You did something and you were hopeful, kind of hopeful that it will bear certain fruit. Why? Because you did something. But Paul wasn't dealing with the first wishful thinking or the second category where you did something. He was talking about the third category of hope where he says that I'm sure beyond the shadow of how. In fact, the Bible says that the hope is so certain, which means that Peter is dealing with a category of hope where it is not because of what you've done. It is not because how wishful you are. It is because you know that you can pin your future and what you have on a particular person, on a particular incident, on an event that changed the rest of history. And it is the kind of hope I'm talking about where you go all the way to eternity and bring that category of hope and appear it on where we are as human right now. So Peter described that hope in the earlier verses, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let me just kind of read that verse, okay? It says in 1 Peter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. So this, this, this hope, right, that he's talking about need a something called born again, all right? Which means you've got to know who God is. And then to a living hope. So Peter described not just any hope. He says this hope is alive, it's living And he went on to describe the category or the different description to wrestle with this, what is this living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? so it says, born again, Christ's resurrection, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Wow, I like that. He used three different words to describe the quality of this hope. He says imperishable. That means it will it will never die. Undefiled. You you cannot pollute it. You cannot add any other element. It's complete by itself. Unfading, which means it always are bright, shine, always hundred percent. Means it doesn't fade away. You know, it's, he's talking about a certain kind of hope. Cap in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter was talking about a different category of hope, which I call it the God category of hope, where he says it's living, is purchased by Jesus Christ because of his resurrection, is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. But we must get it by a process called born again, where you must learn how to embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you learn how to then grow a journey of pinning that hope on what Christ has done. Now, Peter was able to say that because Peter sort of had a journey with this thing called hope. Now, if you if you remember the story and life story of Peter, uh, Peter was a typical fisherman, foul-mouthed, uh, uh, you know, cheeky, you know, uh, maybe gangster style a little bit, you know, because you know that when Jesus was betrayed he took the knife, you know, and then hot tempered, you know. Just like any other fisherman. Okay? That's Peter. And then the story, you know that Peter, Jesus was preaching one day and, he, and then asked Peter, Peter, would you follow me? So Peter left everything because of the miracle that Jesus did in Peter's life. He caught no fish and then now lots of fish and he followed Jesus. For three and a half years, his life was totally changed. You know, can you imagine? This guy was just a typical fisherman. Now his hope rises. So much so that he pins so much hope on this person called Jesus Christ. And the Bible talk about when Jesus wanted to leave, they felt like an orphan. Uh, they, they were pinning on Jesus, you know, following one of the biggest crowd puller, miracle-making God and, and person, you know, at least in their perspective, maybe by that And the bread and, you know, so many miracles. So Peter was riding well. Now, when Jesus Christ told Peter that I'm actually going to die, and then I'll be resurrected. Nobody understood resurrection because nobody has ever resurrected by then, right? Am I correct? So nobody can actually comprehend that. They, they could have said that, you know, Jesus, that's just one of his wishful thinking, or I don't never understand that. But when Jesus told Peter that he's going to go away, uh, Peter rise and actually stood for Jesus and said, I'm going to protect you. Uh, you don't say that. You know, there were many different conversations that Peter can't kind of portrayed himself for that, right? So in that journey, can you imagine, Peter was so full of hope. And I felt like when Jesus, Jesus died, or when he went for trial, the Bible tells us that G, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times. And, and, uh, and he kind of walked away and he was uh, distraught. He was totally, utterly shameful of what he has done. You know, when Peter was at that state, right, I can imagine the many multifaceted layers of hope shattered. I can imagine that, first of all, he was so ashamed of himself. So he felt very hopeless, huh? and that's why I say hopeless man, right? He, and I feel that I'm hopeless, you know, because I, I, I wanted, but I was, I was chicken. I, I, I chicken out, I didn't dare to, you know, he had all of that. But more than that, I think there's potentially some, uh, some disappointment with who Jesus is. Because Jesus has been talking about this kingdom that he wanted to build, and he wanted them to be part of it. And, and he was kind of, everybody has this wrong, uh, altered image, okay, and about falsified image that, Jesus is going to be king, and then they're going to serve next to him, right? And, but no one knew that Jesus was talking about spiritual kingdom. So you can imagine, his dream was shattered. He himself was shattered. Uh, maybe he was disappointed with Jesus himself, right? So he has this multifaceted hopelessness that he was going through, just like every one of us. Uh, some of you have dreams, and the pandemic happened. You couldn't do what you wanted to do. Uh, some of you, maybe you are disappointed with yourself that in this entire season of pandemic, you could have been a man that wake up and do the exercise and lead your family, but you just feel like, not feel like giving up. Uh, I mean, not, you know, not feel like doing anything, you feel like giving up. Or, you know what I'm saying? So I'm speaking to every one of us that has some form of hopelessness or helplessness in this scenario. Some of us look at our politics, we go, "Alama," we say, what kind of a clown joke is happening here, you know, and you felt it, you are so upset. And, you know, all of us had that sense. I want you to know when Peter went through all of that, He can identify every one of us. But you know what was a breakthrough? The Bible says when Jesus died and resurrected. And Peter went back to fishing, right? Because utterly everything was shattered. And when he went back to fishing, then one day, post-resurrection, Jesus stood at the shore and said, Peter, no, he didn't say Peter, sorry. He says, throw your net on the right-hand side. Exactly, deja vu, three and a half years ago, when first Peter met Jesus that little statement. Then Jesus, then Peter knew that that was Jesus because the amount of fish that they had. He swam towards Jesus, had breakfast. Uh, They had barbecue fish. Uh, I'm sure it was very nice, cooked by Jesus. They sat down there and they had, and Jesus restored Peter. And you know, remember the story? When Jesus came to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? He kind of bring Peter to that born again, stayed again. He tried to bring Peter to that encounter with God again. And with that three question, the Bible says, Jesus spoke to Peter about his future with an arm, with a hope that now Peter encountered, which is called the living hope. The rest were history because in the book of Acts, Peter became the leader And you can see that his hope was so overflowing that even in the midst of the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, he was in prison and he was about to die. The next day, they're going to kill him. The Bible says that he slept so well that the angel need to wake him up. You know why? Because Peter, armed with a living hope, he just lived his life so differently regardless of what happened. And that is that category of hope that I'm trying to emulate. That's a category of hope that I'm trying to lead all of us towards. So that's the category of hope that I want to be at. That even in the most hopeless situation, I'm still always the beacon of hope, that beacon of light that just shines in the midst of it. Now, let's look at some of the description in the Bible that talk about that hope. Uh, and Romans 15 talk about hope that's abundance, overflowing. Uh, Colossians talk about the glorious hope. Titus talk about the blessed hope. Hebrews 7 talk about the better hope. Everything was better in the book of Hebrews. Just old covenant, new covenant by Jesus. Everything was better, better, better. It's an upgrade. Hebrews 10, 23 he says the unwavering hope. Wow, oh, I like that. It doesn't move, doesn't change regardless of what happened. And then Hebrews 11, talk about the hope that has full confidence in who God is. But I love Hebrews 9.16. That's why we're going to focus a little bit. He says it's that kind of anchoring hope. Now Hebrews six verse nineteen. Let me just read you the verse and has a picture of an anchor, which is really you know something that uh, once you lock to the ground uh, and grounded, it, it just gives that stability to the ship. And no matter what storm comes in, it just it just take away a lot of uh, uh, shifting and you know shaking and all that. So Hebrews six nineteen says this. Okay, he says we have this hope. Come on, everybody, just read it together. Just say we have this hope. Would you put your name? Say. Timothy have this hope as an anchor for the soul, which means that every one of our soul, we look for an anchor. Some of us anchor on wealth. Some of us anchor on our, I don't know, what, our success. Some of us anchor on our family. Some of us anchor on our loved ones, on our spouse. And nothing wrong. I think God created us to be like that. But ultimately, what's the anchor of your soul? He says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And then he went on to talk about what Jesus did for us, but he described that what really anchors your soul. He says, is this whole entire thing that you are grounded in Jesus and holding that rope uh, that no matter what toss you, what storm, what raging that will come across our life, we stand firm because that hope is that anchor for for our soul. Uh, That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, hope, uh, faith, love, and hope. All these three elements are so important uh, to help us in our life. So I want you to know that there is a category of hope. And you cannot get it from just natural. You cannot just say that, you know, I hope that we have a new vaccine that can just change everything. Uh, Yep, we pray for that, but ultimately we put our hope in Christ. So daily as you go about your life, now I know some people are so extremely careful and I, and I, and I respect everybody's SOP, how they wanted to, you know, how much, how much they want to sanitize and what they want to sanitize, and how many layers of mask, you know, everybody, I you know, we respect everybody. But I want you to know that ultimately you can do all that you can. Your hope is anchored upon, not what you have done, or not the precaution that you have to take, but your hope is ultimately anchored on who Jesus is. And the Bible talks about that category of living hope uh, that can absolutely change the way we live in the midst of all that we are going through. Now, it doesn't mean that, uh, it doesn't mean that our, our external circumstances have changed. It doesn't mean that. But it just means that we have something stronger and more at peace. With what's happening. Now, I, I want to kind of shift us to talk about, uh, you know, if there is any community, if there's any one of us in the midst of a hopeless situation, be a beacon of hope or that beacon of light or that little, uh, that little thing that guides people, it has to be us. And I want to encourage all of you listening to me today, regardless of what you're going through, I want you to be that community of hope unto others. Uh, because that God has put His love in us, God has given us abundance life, even in the midst of all these staggering challenges, we still can exhibit the hope of God around us. So Peter said this, okay? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says, But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord, in your heart, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the what, hope that you have. You know, kind of just tell us a little bit about uh, everyone have this sense of God category of hope. And then he says, our job is to always be ready to tell other people around uh, it's us. Uh, I love Romans 15 verse 13. He says, may the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he brings us just this God category of hope that in the midst and of what all that we are going through. He says we can be overflowed with hope so that we have more than enough to others. You know, in our life, uh, on and off we meet people like that, don't don't we? We meet people that we think that they are in such a hopeless situation that we are the one that should be encouraging them, but we walk away encouraged. We are the one that wanted to give them a bit of a hope, but we walk away that they realize that they have more hope uh, extra that they can give around. Uh, You know, one of the the couple that I really enjoy is really Ken and Alan. And some of you know that Alan is in the hospital. He's still going through his recovery. Uh, But I will never forget that when two, three weeks ago, when we started the food bank, one of the first calls I received was actually from Kat. Kat, and this is what Kat says. Kat says that, you know, he says, Pastor, we want to do whatever we can for the community. I want you to know that uh, you can count on us to, to work together. And if there's any need, then, you know, we are ready to step up as well. You know, I was thinking about what, what Alan has to go through physically right now in his recovery, going through physio after physio and it's a, it's a very painful and very slow process. Uh, they need so much encouragement. Uh, and, but yet in the midst of that, there is still overflowing hope for them to be able to say that we still can do something for those around us. How can we do this together? Uh, and that is the kind of category of hope that I'm talking about. That Even in the midst of their painful situation, they still have the hope of God to go beyond that and to be a blessing to others. So I'm asking all of us to be like that. But today, I want to end with a story of Trixie. Uh, it's a moving story and it's uh, one of those stories that really inspire me. And uh, let me just tell you her story, all right? Uh, Trixie uh, is someone that's part of our church and obviously gotten her blessing, A photo, uh, for us to share the story. This is the this is picture of her and also the daughter, Crystal, okay? Let me tell you a little bit about Trixie. Uh, 2012, uh, Trixie lost her 15-year-old son. Uh, he died of uh, bone cancer. 2012. And uh, so, Tracy was telling me that she comes from a background of family where the mom had battled through cancer. Uh, her second sister, her cousin sister. Uh, so, there's just whole seems to be, uh, uh, I don't know, you call it uh, genetic or whatever, but they were kind of wrestling with that. Uh, so, 2012, she lost her son. It is in that journey she gave her life to Jesus and someone invited her and she's part of our church. 2014, she had lung cancer, uh, and, uh, and because of that, uh, she has to remove part of her lung, and uh, she survived, and, and then her life goes on. And if you know Trexy, she's a fun, uh, verb, you know, she's one of the usher that actually always on the left-hand side uh, of our aisles, and she's always there, faithfully serving. All right. In the year 2020, which is last year, she had some pain on her leg and she thought it was some nerve-pressing impingement, but little did she realize when she went for the checkup, it was actually she found a relapse of cancer and the cancer was at the tailbone of the spine and also in L1 and L4. Uh, and uh, because of the cancer, you know, she, she was in pain and very hard to move. And they have to do an immediate surgery. So 2020, June, she had an immediate surgery to remove uh, the cancer at the tailbone. And because of that surgery, they have to insert two uh, titanium plates as well so that uh, she has enough strength in her spine to carry her. If not, then the whole thing can collapse. Now, you know that all this operation are massive. And the recovery is very, very slow. So till today, she was describing to me that she is better, but she can't really bend, but she can move around. And can you imagine the first six months, it, it is terribly, extremely challenging, uh, given the state of what she has to go through. Uh, so But there was a little shift in her heart, in her spirit. And she talked about in January 2021, she really had a conviction from God. And uh, and she, she began to describe to me, you know, Pastor, I... You know, I kind of kind of knew about her story was because a couple of months ago, she actually texted me and she said, Pastor, I want to be baptized again. And I asked her why. Uh, and then she kind of told me that she was living in a life that wasn't pleasing unto God. But in January 2021, she decided to go all the way with God. She decided to make a massive shift in her lifestyle, in her decision-making. And she said, you know, Pastor, I was really very hopeless, helpless. And I decided to just lean fully upon God. Then in that little transition, she said, Pastor, God invaded my world. Uh, the Bible that I read, I, I don't understand why I, I, all this while I don't really read the Bible. Now I read the Bible. It says every day, the Word of God was fresh. Uh, the word God spoke to, and she talked about Jeremiah 42, how there's a particular verse that she felt God spoke to her, God is going to deliver her. And she just went on and on and just talked about just staying in God's word, the word of God and worship. and all. In fact, she said nowadays, she doesn't even switch on the TV. She just immersed herself as much uh, just with the word of God and the worship of God. And not only that, and, and I think one of the most massive changes that I want to highlight was this, that in the midst of her hopelessness, she even reached out to her friend. So this whole entire shift came about in January because when she kind of re-encountered God, she started to invite some of her friends to come for Discovering God, our last, last uh, Discovering God that we had. She had one of her friends, maybe she's watching it right now together with her, and, and this friend uh, has just been so moved that this, this friend is, is really on the way to Discovering God and really exploring God in a very genuine manner and trust her in that journey. God is going to just minister to this person. But I love that little part of Trixie that in the midst of her needing all the help, she still reached out. But I tell you, her story doesn't end here. What happened in February uh, 2021, so in January, she began to have a shift of her attitude, desire, invading, God invading her world. By 20 February 2021, she had some uh, pain, severe headache, and she, she went for checkup. You know what did she discover? She discovered two tumour spots at her brain. Very small, but it's the beginning of uh, a tumour spot at her brain. Yeah, can you imagine? Uh, lost her son, had lung cancer, had a relapse on cancer, went through massive operation, uh, then had a shift of heart and wanting to just lean upon God and start reaching out even though she's extremely painful and difficult. And then found out that she actually had a tumour you know, just like if there's anything, if you kind of stack it up and you add it up and you multiply that, can you, if there's any one of us that has ever come close to a hopeless situation, it's actually her. And none of us can even come close to what she was having to go through and endure through. And that's just, just the reality. Uh, and, uh, but you know what? Uh, the healing room people, Uh, my wife and the live group people, so many people just kind of just surrounding her, prayed with her, believing God. And uh, even in that hopeless state, in July, which is this month, she went for a PET scan and all of that. And the doctor came with an amazing and staggering report. She says, I found no trace of cancer in your bone, whether it's L1, L4, Uh, brain, everything, there was just a clean slate. Now, I want to say this, okay? We don't know what happens in the future. We really don't. But what I wanted to say that she was in the most extreme state of hopelessness. And now, because as she learned how to put a hope in God, she's ready for whatever that comes her way. Uh, In the midst of it, we saw God's hand just turning her around uh, and and just graciously and mercifully uh, just clearing everything so that she is where she is, regaining her health. But I wanted to tell the story because I couldn't think of anybody that has such a grim report just year after year. And yet in the midst of that hopelessness, there was still an overflowing of hope that she can actually reach out to others around her. And she invited a few of her friends who came for, to come for discovery. We're believing that in this journey, some of them will get to know who God is. I just want to encourage you. This hope that Jesus, that Peter described, is a totally a different character, And that's where I hope every one of you can get to get that kind of a hope. That in the midst of all the hopeless situation, you have still an overflowing of hope. I know some of you have lost your job. Uh, Some of you could be in a financial crunch. But you know what? When you put your anchor on Christ, you are trusting that He will navigate you through. I know that some of the people that had COVID last week, uh, that start with an infant all the way to 80 plus year old men and a couple of different individuals in between all of them. And as far as I know, as of yesterday, connecting with different, every one of them just have a praise report. That's just how uh, God just anchored them and they uh, are victorious and they are gaining strength. They are better and better every day. So I just want to encourage all of you. It is this category of hope that once you get it, once you see it, You cannot unseen it. You cannot undo it because that hope is the one that anchors you in the midst of hopelessness. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you before we take the communion. If you are someone that do not know who God is, the Bible talks about born again so that you can have the inheritance that's unshakable, unfading. That's the kind of hope that Jesus is talking about. That's the kind of hope that Peter is describing. So I want you to pray with me. And just allow God to invade your soul and embrace the hope that we can have in Christ. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to you that this morning we can come together. Just pray with me, okay? This morning, I want to surrender my life. I want the category of hope that Peter described. That living hope. Unshakable unfading can't destroy it. I pray that the hope of God, that glorious hope anchors my soul. I'll hold on to that. No matter what surrounds me, looks hopeless or raging because that anchor of hope secures me. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You know what? We're going to do communion. And uh, as we come to the table of the Lord, I want us to do it with a different spirit. Uh, and this is how I want you to do it. Uh, so would you just get some time, gather your family maybe, take your cup and the bread together. Uh, this morning, I want a transaction to happen as we take this communion. I want us to surrender every hopelessness situation that we are at. Whether it's you are ashamed of yourself, you are hopeless with the situation, and I want us to take on the living hope that Christ can give unto us. So, we're going to have that transaction as we take this communion, and then I'm going to pray a short prayer. Alright, are you ready? Let's take the cup. Let's take the bread. Let's do this together. Let there be a transaction. What is earthly in exchange with what is heavenly. Let's do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's take the cup. God, I just pray. Let that be an earthly and heavenly transaction. Let my hopeless state my hopelessness that I feel in exchange with a living hope that is by Jesus. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless.